Hello everyone, welcome to That Brit Rest TV Show once again with me Andy Ogden and watching bad wrestling in a field, it's the one and only Kieran Lafort. Hello Kieran. Hello, that is an accurate description of how I've been spending my bank holiday weekend. <laughs> how are you doing mate? You well? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm just back from holiday. Uh, the sun is shining outside, and as I said, I've spent the entire weekend indoors watching shit wrestling for various reasons, including this show. <laughs> Not doing too bad, all things considered. The things we do for podcasting, Kieran. Indeed. Yeah. To entertain the audience. Oh yeah. No, they're very entertained. Very entertained. Hopefully. And um, so on this episode of. Um... Look, going back at UWA Wrestling Rampage. So we're going to get into episode 16, episode 17, and the one you've been waiting for. It's the documentary drama. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave that till last. Keep the, keep the right, I think on. that is most definitely the main event. Well, shall we start with the pre-show now, where <laughs> we're not joined by Dan Belinka? No who's conspicuous by his absence on these two episodes. What do you think they did with uh, with young Daniel? I think he went that holiday. <laughs> I think he needs to get away. <laughs> so um, with episode 16, the show starts and we're straight into a fairground with Johnny Storm versus Doug Williams for, for supposedly well, the UWA title. Well, yeah, you say it's the fairground. I think this was taped on uh, August the 7th, 1999 at the Bulldog Bash, which is a biker rally in Stratford-upon-Avon. It is it's, very... it's, it's the UK branch of the Hells Angels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a bit more of the Hex Angels, aren't they? It's very hard to find any more information given like how often the words Bulldog, Bash, and UWA have been used in pro wrestling over the years. That was literally all I could find out about it. I was trying to see if there are any more matches. I was trying to find out anything else, and that was it. Apparently, a band called The Grimms played. That is the only other information I can find out about this show. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, from the crowd, looks like there's some rejects from the uh, Dingle auditions. <laughs> Uh, one, one, one of the fingers I put as well. What the fuck is that referee? It's like Iron Duke Lynch's brother. <laughs> so, firstly, I put we're outside at some biker event. I called it Chode Wild. Uh, the ring looked even smaller than usual. Yeah. It could only have been a 10 footer. It was ridiculous. And the referee, so we go straight into the worst Doug Williams versus Johnny Storm match you've ever seen. The referee is bigger than both men and looks like the brother Len Davies family kept locked in the basement. <laughs> he, looked, he looked, he had a mullet, he had uh, like three quarter length shorts, biker boots, um, uh, a t-shirt and a, and a waistcoat on. He looked even more of a shambles than Mark Briscoe did on the AEW pay-per-view as a referee. <laughs> and he was dreadful. <laughs> oh, yeah. And as you mentioned, this may or may not be for U Williams' UWA title. Like, the commentary are giving confusing messages for no reason. I couldn't care less. Just say it's a fucking title match. Spoiler, Doug wins. <laughs> Make it a title. What does it matter? Well, when you said of hog, uh, hog wild, I said it was more hog mild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This thing is, it's shot on two cameras that don't match. I think the guy on the hard cam has never seen wrestling before or has possibly never used a camera before because yeah. his framing keeps wandering all over the place. 
And I also think they're shot on different formats because the hard camera looks worse quality than the handheld. Even on this shit VHS transfer we're watching on YouTube. And you can also constantly hear the generator that's going to keep them running. <laughs> there's, there's stuff in this, like the referee getting involved, uh, pushing oh. Storm out the ring. Yeah. There's a bit as well where the referee counts three. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they the don't continue. Counts. The match continues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what else happens? Uh, Johnny struggles to do a flying head scissors in the ring the size of a postage stamp, uh, but Simon Bridlington on commentary calls it beautiful several times. Uh, he then also calls Johnny's top rope crossbody to the outside a shooting star press, whereas the only part of that he managed was the press bit. <laughs> Um, I did know, little detail, your timekeeper's table at ringside has no trace of a uh, timekeeper, but it does appear to have an empty plastic glass, someone's jacket and a belt on it. Not the title belt, a belt for holding up someone's trousers. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is so low rent and we're only on the first match. Do you think with the glass, uh, using that as a belt, you know, like using a teaspoon, like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> they, There was definitely an actual bell somewhere nearby because you hear it like at the end of this match and then for the 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 start of the other match it's it's um, probably like the um circus tents or something it probably asked balls or the clown to come out and go. <laughs> <laughs> if the referee goes williams ready storm ready honk the nose honk, honk, honk. and then that was the beginning of the match i'd love it <laughs> <laughs> oh boy you know what? You know what? I actually thought this was, was a solid match. I thought this was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was really bad. It's nine minutes long, and eight minutes of that is the heel getting his ass kicked. Um, like he gets dropped balls first on the top rope. Like Doug's just chucking him all over the place. Any time he strings more than two moves together, Doug just cuts him off and goes back on offense. And I guess Doug is technically not a heel. Or not a baby face. See, there's there you are. Here's yeah. the problem with UWA Wrestling Rampage. Like the, the characters aren't what they're supposed to be. I think Doug's supposed to be like, you know, like Stone Cold Doug Williams, but it just it doesn't work. Um uh what happens? So Storm hits something close to a split-legged moonsault and a top rope splash. Uh, and then he goes up for a 10 punch in the corner, and Williams hits a Liger Bomb for the pin. Uh Steve Thingy calls it a chaos theory after the replay. It isn't. Um the anarchist, oh, great quote. The anarchist retains the title if indeed the title was on the line. This is this is WCW bad. <laughs> I did love afterwards, though. Doug exits through the crowd past a bloke who is clearly asleep in his seat face down on a table. <laughs> it wasn't our Jeff, was it, in 1999? <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, um, I so very poor. <laughs> So at the end of the match, we go to um, what's the outskirts of the Bulldog Bash, where mm. um, too far gone turn up on the um, on the motorbike on the Death Squad's motorbike. Yes. One of the members of Too Far Gone has dyed his hair blonde. Yes, Steve Morocco's bleached his hair, presumably so we can tell them apart. Uh, Terrell calls the trike a heap of rubbish, which makes me wonder why he wanted to win it in the first place. <laughs> Well, this is this is well. It's a continuation from the last episode where they yes. they sort of like took the bike and you've seen the death squad chase, try to chase after them com comically. Yes, never both in the same shot. So I'm pretty sure they weren't filmed at the same time. 
Um, so we go to the adverts now, where you could um, confess your sins on No Tomorrow, Lombard Direct as ever, Cold Shield Windows, and Arse in the Slammer, Judge Judy. Yeah, a rap promo for Judge Judy. <laughs> yeah. Going proper up market for these live TV shows now. Yeah, they actually they actually put a little bit of money. Um, it's a little bit of money, like maybe 150 quid. But yeah, they actually put some money into this promo. I was impressed. Um, so back to the program now, as we have UWA coming to the Broadway Theatre, barking. You do Peter that voice. Andre, it's, actually, it's, it's actually voiced by Dan Belinka. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Sorry, it's the wrong one. Not not. We Paul get. Martin. I we so they advertise Danny Royal versus Doug Williams, uh, and Phil Powers versus Paul Sloan, and we get a hell of a Phil Powers promo. I I said he was Peter Andre. He is shinier than C three PO. And he's standing in some sort of rounded cage with nine TV screens behind him. I have, I've, <laughs> I have transcribed it. If you'd like, go on, go on. I am not going to give it the full beans because by the end of this, he looks like Shane McMahon's been trying to chase his kids around the garden and is screaming at the top of his voice. But like, see if you can make any sense of this. Yeah. I'm not going to do the voice either because that will kill me. He says, let me tell you a little story. It seems like Phil Powers used to be the UWA television champion. Well, the last couple of days I've been laying back injured. I even had a day when I was in hospital and I was laying back in the hospital talking to these two old fogies. And you want to know what I was talking to them about? I was talking to them about how Phil Powers has just become a loser. How has Phil Powers just become a loser? Like this is the delivery we get. Paul Sloan, you've 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 just completely and utterly screwed me out of the UWA television title. Steve Knight, well, you know what you've done to me, my friend. And Kerry Cabrera, let me tell you something about Kerry Cabrera. You've got a big receipt coming your way, courtesy of yours truly. He then finally takes a breath. But let me get back to that point, okay? There I was, sitting back in my little hospital bed. I was telling these two old fogies about when I was at school. How I was the school dork, D-A-W-K. Um how I was nothing but a loser at school. How I used to be a national swimmer. Doesn't sound like a loser to me. But how Phil Powers always used to come second. You see, old Phil Powers here always used to come second. He never used to win. It would. It was always somebody else who would win. Take my brother, for instance. Oh, yeah, my brother. He was the best at everything he did. But old Phil Powers here, he just used to come second. So there I was laying back. And all of a sudden, you know, I had a visitor coming into the room. Fucking hell. And somebody, an old friend of mine, said to me, Phil, Phil, look at the bigger picture. And I thought to myself, look at the bigger picture. How can I look at the bi bigger picture? I've just hit complete and utterly bottom. I am the bottom of the barrel in professional wrestling. You said it, mate. Uh, so he said, look at the bigger picture. And then he said to me, Phil Powers, Broadway Theatre, Barking, September the 3rd. I'm going to put you in that ring with Paul Sloan. Right. One second. Who is this person? Was he visited by the booker? Is Mick McManus this old friend who's come to visit him? <laughs> like, who else has the power to book that match? Maybe it's Saoirse. Maybe she's turned up again. <laughs> Anyway, so there we are. It's going to be Phil Powell, September the 3rd at the Broadway Theatre. I'm going to be taking on Paul Sloan. As the old quote said, Paul Sloan, I'm not going to quote it, but I didn't teach you everything I know. So, hey, buddy, you don't know everything that Phil Powers knows, but I'm just going to tell you one thing, Paul Sloan. You think you've got what it takes to become a professional wrestler? You haven't even started your apprenticeship, my friend. Just remember that you're going to face the fly Phil Powers, for Christ's sake. Uh, and let me tell you something, it ain't going to be pleasant. There's going to be guts in that ring. There's going to be blood all over the place. And the people are barking, yeah, that's right, my family are going to see that the fly Phil Powers, why can't he get his own fucking name right? He's no loser. He's the best goddamn wrestler that ever lived. And then he turns purple and walks off screen. <laughs> It's terrible. He rambles. As you can probably tell, like he rambles. He keeps tripping over his own words. He gets his own nickname wrong again and just ends up screaming at the camera. I thought he was going to explode at the end of it. 
My free free word review of um, Phil Powers promo was angry whiny wanker. <laughs> That's actually just let you say that rather than me read out all that shit. That's brilliant, brilliant I'm reading. To, I'm trying to, I, like, I imagine a lot of people listening to this haven't actually watched the show. I'm trying to give them a bit of a flavour of what we go through every month to review these. And um, just for anyone who wants to go to the uh, Broadway theatre in Barking, it's seven pound for adults and five pound for kids. Not bad. I imagine the show will be worth about two quid. <laughs> now it is a big one. If you yeah. if you thought that Phil Powers promo was uh you know a good one, the tiny girls view <laughs> <laughs> too far gone. Yeah, cowboy hat tiny girls back. Yeah, with no explanation. She's just back. She's not. She still doesn't have a name, so she's not Lana. And for some reason. Even though they're associated with the death squad, they're the interviewers for Too Far Gone. Um, they do this at ringside in the field. Um, there's no windshield on the mic, which seems daft because A, they're outside, and B, it just looks stupid. Uh, Lana asked them about Lana asked him about putting the belts on the line against the pasty boys. A Morocco looking like he's off to a Halloween party as Eminem. Um monotonously corrects her that this is only for the bike. And then Terrell chimes in and says that the tinies are on the line too. And I was like, oh, good. The good old days where women were property in wrestling. <laughs> uh, they just laugh off this idea. And the camera pans over slightly to show a guy who looks like a cross between Haku and Buff Bagwell casually leaning on the apron. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, as well, extra bonus content oh, we get... The tiny girls day out. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where the blowing guns, riding bikes with a hairy man and getting to visit the wall of death with said hairy man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, this is also the tune of uh, The Passenger by Iggy Pop. Um, the cameraman and editor very obviously conspire to look down not Lana's top several times. <laughs> Everybody they encounter, it's so funny. Every, like everyone is staring at them. Because nobody else looks like these two. Everybody else looks like the offspring of Iron Duke Links and Tom Munro. <laughs> uh, Morgan comes, calls some sort of whirly funfair ride the Dodgems. It's very clearly not the Dodgems. Uh, and then they nearly get killed in the wall of death. A uh, horrible piece of television. <laughs> Well, it's like WrestleMania 17 build up this, isn't it? To uh, you know, like my way by Limp Biscuit to the um, the second match on this show, which yeah, is uh, yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, but Iron Duke Lynch every time he lets it all hang out. I don't think he can keep it in. <laughs> Just one more fight, and he'll be fucked, knackered in the corner. <laughs> so too far gone here. Uh, this is the death squad with the motorbike and the tiny girls on the line. Yeah. So the commentators say too far gone, have nothing to lose and everything to gain. They have the bike to lose. <laughs> I know Paul Terrell thinks it's shit, but technically that's theirs and on the line. Plus as well, the bike's more expensive than the actual tiny girls. Belt oh, the, the belt. tiny girls. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they haven't just flogged the bike for parts. Yeah, maybe they, sold more the money for the how, maybe they sold the exhaust and that's how Steve Morocco could afford the hair dye. <laughs> so um, early doors in this one, um, Terrell gets press slammed by Duke Lynch and ends up getting uh, boots uh, from the tiny girls. So I'm like, <laughs> laying it in like old Japan no, style. No, 
No, not proper laying it in. They're kicking him very gently, although one of them does tow him directly up the bum hole. I did note, I did note that um, including an ad break when the opening bell rang for this match, 14 minutes of TV time had passed since the end of the last match. Just filled up with crap. Um, well, well, uh, on the adverts anyway, um, will, Louis, will Louise really do a wheelie? Tampons and um, Keith Chegwin's home invasions. Yeah. So that was the show that we saw the call for participants from like yes. about three or four weeks ago in like in like UWA time. How have they turned this show around that quickly? This was the one that like, spying on your neighbours, weren't yeah. it? And yeah. yeah. Keith Chegwin has come to like root through the drawer under your bed. Christ, no. I don't um, know. If this is way before like Naked Jungle. Yeah. Oh God, I wouldn't want Keith Chegwin rifling through my bedroom. <laughs> Fucking hell. They, they they were some dark days of TV with Keith Chegwin with his knob out. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's not naked attraction, more naked repellent. <laughs> so, um, Kieran, uh, we return from the ad breaks with too far gone in control on Jerry Fags. <laughs> yeah, I assume they were beating up on Myers because Duke doesn't want to sell for anyone in front of his biker mates. Oh, no. He, he, no. he certainly wants to look hard, doesn't he? No. So we have the referee watching on gormlessly as Morocco low blows Myers, and then Terrell bashes him on the head with a beer can. Uh, Myers did try some actual wrestling, but got thrown into an exposed turnbuckle. They do the referee shoves the heel spot for the second time on this show. <laughs> and then Myers makes his own comeback and clotheslines Terrell out the ring. It looks like he tags Duke, but apparently it's just a high five as Morocco comes in and starts beating on him again. So the referee ignored or missed the baby faces apparently tagging and then doesn't care that the heels haven't. This is consistent with the way tag team matches go in the UWA, I've noticed. Um, uh, Miles come back. Miles Myers comes back with what I called a walking clothesline. <laughs> he wasn't really running. Uh, a middle rope splash and then can't decide if he's going to cover or not, but the referee counts to two anyway. <laughs> um, he eventually takes Duke, who hits a suplex, uh, then is cut off immediately by a punch to the nad, so has accomplished nothing. Uh, Duke apparently does want to sell for the bikers, uh, so it's his turn to take a kick in. Uh, he right, Duke backs Morocco into the death squad corner, and while the ref is holding back, Terrell kicks him in the balls. This is the yeah. third nut shot in this match alone, and the fourth of the show. <laughs> Referee's been paid off, hasn't he? He's definitely <laughs> one of Duke Lynch's relatives. This was, I think, I counted uh, seven. Uh, nut shots in this match by the end of it whether the ref was looking or not um what else happens uh myers gets a revenge beer can shot on morocco despite it being terrell who originally hit him with one uh duke rolls out the ring to take a mouthful from a random can of strongbow he finds on the floor <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't do anything just rolls back in the ring oh this is like it gets to the point where Duke has had enough of trying to make this match exciting for a bunch of bikers who've never seen wrestling before and just puts a lame arm hold on Paul Terrell. <laughs> uh, Morocco has a better idea, though. He pile drives Myers on the grass. Uh, what else happens? Too far gone tees a walkout, but Morocco gets back in the ring as someone can be heard singing the hokey-cokey for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I 
I almost tried to choke myself to death with my own TV remote. This was fucking oh, terrible. <laughs> Duke thinks a sleeper is a clothesline and bumps for it as Terrell removes the corner pad again. Uh, what else? Uh, Terrell accidentally hits Morocco with the shitty tin belt. Duke then yeah. takes forever to throw Morocco out the ring where he tries to kidnap both tiny girls. So oh, yeah, he absolutely bloody eyes. Yeah, he tries, he tries to get one over each shoulder, doesn't he? So at least he's trying to get out of this match with something. Uh, meanwhile, Deskwad dragged Terrell into the ring. Duke hits a shoulder breaker on the wrong leg. Um, so instead of the one he's got upright when he kneels down to do it, he tries to do it on the one he's he's putting down on the mat. And then they hit a sloppy Sheffield hammer in which I think only Myers' shins hit Terrell. Uh, and get the pin, despite neither man being legal, or maybe they are because I've lost track of who tried to earlier, and so is the referee. And then uh, Haku slash uh, Buff Bagwell biker came over to very obviously tell off a kid in the front row for doing something. Um, I wrote, not quite as bad as Papa T versus Tom Munro, or that match that Andy really hated, but still negative stars. <laughs> It's about 15 minutes long, this one, isn't it's it? It's so long. Yeah. It's so long, and it goes through an ad break, which I noticed they cut nothing out during the ad break, because if you look, Myers is in exactly the same position when they come back from the ads as he was when they went. It might, it must make you think what Duke Lynch's mate, biker mates for to this match. Like, I wonder what feedback he got. I mean... In like, this why, are you, why, why are you fucking doing this, slob? <laughs> In this environment, why wouldn't you do something like a wild street fight? Yeah. Yeah. You know, do the, the, the UWA biker brawl where everybody wears a leather jacket and jeans and they have a little fight around the, the fairground and you do the pin in the ring. Like, yeah. and you go no longer than eight minutes. That's the key, I think. Yeah. Like, just have a fun brawl. That would get over way better than whatever the fuck this was. <laughs> <laughs> this was absolutely terrible <laughs> i think i say this on every episode every episode of this show has had at least one of the worst matches i've ever seen in my life and it's the main event again <laughs> i know it's really interesting you can always tell like who has a stake of some kind in this company like mm. phil powers is super featured like yes. duke lynch is super featured until this show we hadn't seen the champion doug williams for two or three weeks no, no, no. And he's supposed to be the guy at the top of the company. I know yeah. they've only got an hour a week, and you know, there's a you know, there's a roster as we've discovered of like 45 people, but like I it, it's interesting to see who shows up more often in the rotation than others. It's funny that even like Kerry Cabrero and um our mate Stevie Knight were on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not on the next one. Well, they are on the next one, but like in a flashback, essentially. Um, well, well, we will find out in uh, episodes to come that Mr. Mr. Knight is um, not around much. Oh, really? I haven't yes. looked any. I haven't looked on any further. I've not watched beyond episode 17. To be honest, I haven't, but Stevie Knight told me himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you met, you met him up with him, didn't you, at a show? I did at um, BWR in Cleethorpes. Um, mm -hmm. I was introduced to him by... Uh, by Youngie. Yeah, we you had a good, good good chat about... I was going to uh, say, and you haven't got a black eye or a cast on your arm, so he must like what you're saying about him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did see he uh, he tweeted some complimentary things uh, about the last episode as well. So, uh, hello, Steve. 
<laughs> well, Steve. Glad you enjoyed um, it. So, next up. Um, Hang on, what else yeah, have we so, got? Uh, oh, so, 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 Death Squad actually win their bite back yeah. and keep the tiny girls as they ride off into the sunset. Well, hang on. <laughs> You're making this sound a bit more romantic than it is. What actually happens is Terrell tells the camera, this weren't for the belts, just that heap of shit, and gets the word shit muted. He realises what he's done and does the line again without swearing, but the editor wasn't smart enough to cut out the one where he does. <laughs> Uh, so they yell and complain as they leave, and then the Death Squad nearly run over the feet of the entire front row as they ride that stupid bike around the ring. I called this one of the worst presentations of professional wrestling I've ever seen on television. <laughs> everything about everything about it was cheap and low rent. Like it yeah. looked like shit. I think someone saw Road Wild and figured they could do it for five hundred quid. And it was really dry as well. The only thing not related to the two matches was Phil Powers going purple and yelling about Paul Sloan and hospital beds. And this is like, I don't think this is the worst episode we've watched of this, but it's up there. It's very much up there. It's and just it's random. <laughs> it's just random, isn't it? Yeah. Because I don't think there was that much you know, advertising for this this actual show. You know, on no, the, the, uh, the only thing that was mentioned was, like, after Duke and uh, Myers lost the belts, Duke did his usual rambling promo where he said, the next time you see me wrestling, it's not going to be in an arena. It's going to be on my home turf, which I guess was the setup <laughs> for it being on this thing he clearly had set up with his mates who ride bikes. Yeah. Hmm. Shall we get into episode 17, which isn't much anyway? No, th I mean, there is, some, there is some new footage on it, and it's presented in a slightly different way. So it's uh, it's it's very much a recap show. Um, it's mostly a recap of Doug Williams, to be honest. It's, it's more of a recap of Steve Linsky's stable, because Dan Belink yeah. has been booted out of the truck again, and he's yeah. uh, been replaced by Steve Linsky. Yeah, I guess uh, Belinka's like gaffer tape to the passenger seat struggling to call the police and yeah linsky's in the crime watch van so uh all of the links are done in his terrible american accent which i'm not going to do um he introduces his team uh and says uh, johnny storm is the only person to have beaten big papa t which isn't true as we saw alex shane beat him two weeks ago yeah also i have a scoop on this later on, <laughs> Go on. um we have da we get danny royal versus drew mcdonald in full drew mcdonald versus doug williams in full uh, and then Doug interrupts the next link with a promo from the monitors in the TV gallery. And I thought that was a nice way for the anarchist to interrupt the show. Um, unfortunately, it's Doug Williams, and he's not a promo guy. Um, he says, nobody wants to hear managers wittering on about things they don't understand. And he says, as the UWA champion, he's the best wrestler. And after the break, we'll find out why. Uh, and so back from the break, uh, he's in Phil Power's TV cage from the last episode. Uh, and he tells us the anarchist is now in control of the broadcast. Uh, we get a quick package of what he calls the anarchist greatest hits, which includes some of the same shots repeated, uh, plus a few quick previously unseen slash unused shots from the from the Epping Forest taping that ran before live TV picked them up. Mm. Right. I have that Epping Forest taping card. Oh, here we go. Right. Paul Sloan defeats Bully Boy Briggs. Just imagine these matches in your mind. Bully boy Briggs, he were terrible, weren't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. Phil so, Powers. It's slow, slow work anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Phil yeah. Powers defeats Doug Williams. Yeah. Jason Cross defeats Tiger McGuigan. Who was the ref? The ref. Yes, the ref. 
Yes, the rest. Hell. Yeah. Uh, the Death Squad defeat Too Far Gone. Yeah. Johnny Kidd and Steve Gray go to a draw. I'm skipping over the next match quickly. The main event is the Dirt Bike Kid defeating Phil Powers. And the big scoop is Wera defeats Big Papa T by disqualification. Oh. And his eyes just popped out of his head. <laughs> well, Big, pa- Big Papa T putting his mate over, doing the honours. Yeah. Well, by DQ. Um, so, yeah. So that is clearly, like, apart from the clips they show here and there, like, that is clearly, like, non-canon as to the the, the UWA story because, like, Wera was um, one of the guys introduced in, in the scrapyard. Big Papa T has never been defeated. Johnny Kidd and Steve Gray don't exist. Neither does Dirt Bike Kid. Tiger Mugwigan's the ref, all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, very interesting. Um we then get all 18 minutes of the triple trouble match plus the post-match angle where Doug ditches Linsky. You know what? I think that's that's probably the second time they put that in a highlight show. The whole match? Yeah, triple trouble match. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, this is the third time it's been shown in full. <laughs> yeah. They must clearly think it's the best match they've ever done. <laughs> um. And then the show closes with an out-of-focus Doug Williams challenging slash confirming Danny Royal's title shot for barking. That's all of episode 17. You can watch it if you want, but if you've seen any of the other episodes, it's not really... There's there's no point. Yeah, I, I definitely had it on fast-forward. Just yeah, like, Until I seen Doug Williams' head popping up on a camera. Um, I didn't... Yeah. I watched a bit you know, like the opening bits with Linsky and that. Yeah. I know it's very no. skippable. There's, there's no point you and I watching the matches for sure. It's time for your main <laughs> <laughs> Let's get ready to rampage. So it's um it's it's the one you've been waiting for. Yeah. The UWA, the docudrama, rampaging wrestlers. Creative title. Yes. Um, what were your expectations going into this drama, Kieran? I didn't know. All I had seen was um, freeze frames, still frames of, I'm not going to name them just yet, a character we hadn't previously seen associated with the UWA. Mm. So this was created and aired as kind of like a, le- a run into the, the show. It's episode zero, if you like. This yeah. this This aired before the first episode of the actual wrestling show. Um, we should thank uh, Andrew Dice Clay on uh, uh, on Twitter, who dug this up and put it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, I then had to use professional software to clean up the audio so I could fucking hear the thing, because the I, audio, I, was, even when I cleaned it up, was still terrible. <laughs> I will say I actually watched the YouTube version. So oh, I, did you? Um, I don't expect yeah. you've heard any of the dialogue then. No, I know I have. I know I yeah. turned my tally up to about 100. Yeah, I didn't uh, want to do that. <laughs> no, I didn't really have... I mean, I had heard of the legend, and the only thing I had heard about it was there is some sort of reality TV show where the wrestlers all appear to live on the same street. That was all I had been told. It's not quite that, uh, but it certainly is something. <laughs> I have reviewed for podcasts over the years many, many like two hour, two hour plus feature films. 
I took more notes for this 21 and a half minute show than I did for most of those feature films. There is, I will say something, it's never boring and there is always something going on. I had to do a lot of um, pausing and yes. just writing down yes. for this. Just... I had to watch this twice, and my second watch through for my notes took me at least two hours, and I had to stop for dinner in the middle of it. It is so <laughs> dense with content. <laughs> so um, let's go to our opening scene in this um masterpiece piss paint piss tinted shots of a scrapyard yes a, scra- a scrapyard is shown to the tune of bad to the bone yes as we see sexy iron duke lynch angle grinding <laughs> hardly a fucking diet coke hat <laughs> i don't want you to Clem work all day <laughs> oh i might have to re-edit this over that song <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yes, he's um, angle grinding as he interrupts three lads' um, dinner break. Oh, is he... that what they said? Yeah. So like a door in the background swings open, and an angry man in a shit hat comes out and yells at Lynch. Um, I put he yells something in Yorkshire that I can't understand, <laughs> and calls on two more big men. All three of them face down Lynch, and they seem to be pissed off that he's working. Are they annoyed that he's working through his lunch break? Probably. Does that mean he's going to get a fiver more than they are because he's not taking that hour? Well, if it, if money's involved and it's someone from Yorkshire, they're, they're going to want their extra fiver, aren't they? They're not going to yeah. give anyone any change. Well, they didn't spend this extra fiver on the badly shot, edited and choreographed fight that ensues. Although I was impressed by how easily Duke picks up angry man number three and presses him over his head. <laughs> Uh, he, he is stone cold um, Iron Lynch, isn't he? He is, yeah. Um, because it was the style at the time. Because uh, everybody was watching Guy Ritchie movies, uh, we get a freeze frame and a name graphic and a big snarling face of Iron Duke Lynch, and then we cut to Barry Suplex. <laughs> he's in the office. He's a sort of he's a sort of like carny promoter type character who claims that he used to run wrestling. And he says, when he ran wrestling, Duke was the very best. Uh, and I'm like, how bad was the rest of the roster, that, roster then? <laughs> uh, he's wearing a sort of like ch- yellow check suit and has a pencil tash that I didn't notice till the end was painted on. <laughs> and he says, uh, Duke was the roughest and toughest. He's like, those were the days, but everything changed when Duke started World War Three with the nicest man in the game. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, old gang bang Lynch, in it basically. <laughs> um, he but he, he headbutts two people during this montage. Um, yes, like Shibata, Shibata excellent. <laughs> Those I'm were the wise, days. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we cut to Phil Powers getting free stuff from a butcher, uh, helping an old lady across the road. Uh, he walks past the school, and when the kids see him, they all scream and chase him down the street. And I think we should get away from British wrestlers walking past school playgrounds. <laughs> Meanwhile, in a back alley, moving like a 30-year-old trying to imitate a teenager, the anarchist Doug Williams is looking furtive and holding a spray paint can. <laughs> Doug, Doug, the juvenile Williams. Yeah. 
fuck me. This, this, this. It was, man, <laughs> it, was, it was every inch. You know that shot of Steve Buscemi with the skateboard over his shoulder? How do you do, fellow kids? Yeah. Like, it was that, but with a spray can. <laughs> well, and it spray painting walls with a grommet like, uh, like bloody Wallace, weren't it? Please. <laughs> As a copper arrests him, your Nick yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. He gets Nick, he gets Nick for spraying an anarchy symbol on a piece of corrugated iron that clearly is not part of the wall that's lent up against. So it's something production have bought, put up for him to spray paint, and then have taken away after, so he doesn't actually get Nick for vandalizing anything. Fuck me! He's, would he be in his twenties at this point? Uh, I'm trying to think how old Doug Williams uh, was. He's fifty something now, isn't he? Yeah, easily. Uh, Doug Williams is currently actually fifty. Uh, so when was this? 1999. Yes, he would have been. Uh, well, this is early 99. He would have been 26, running around trying to be 14. <laughs> I don't know. 26 is still sort of young, in it. He just wanted, just wanted, he just wanted to elongate his 20s. Like yeah. I'm wanting to elongate my 30s and. 40 in like a year and a bit. <laughs> I'm still trying to elongate my 30s and I've overshot it by five years. Oh, I said I said the same thing to our Jeff because it was his birthday this past week. 49 now. Oh, the, now. The, 29, surely. The big, the big 50 next year. He's just like, oh, no. <laughs> I bet he didn't thank you for reminding him of that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we get away from um, the anarchist Doug Williams and we go to... Um, Fucking hell, the biggest put up put up of a bank since Yozza Hughes off Boys from the Black stuff. It's uh, Big, Big Papa T. Yeah, Big Papa T is robbing a bank, uh, which appears to actually be the lobby of a crap hotel or someone's large living room. He also gets arrested. <laughs> and then at the, the police station, he's brought in, in this heavy chain to the least charismatic desk sergeant of all time. Well, 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 what have we got here then? is what he says. Uh, uh, he's in the same cop shop as Doug, uh, who shows up saying he knows his rights and he wants his phone call. And this phone call goes as follows. Steve, it's me, Doug. Yeah, you know, Doug the anarchist. I fucking died. <laughs> Imagine me on the phone. Yeah, Dave, it's me, Kieran. Yeah, you know, Kieran, the editor. <laughs> what the fuck? Um... Uh, I think they had to rescue this with a voiceover from Barry Suplex because we hear that instead of Doug's phone call. And he's, um, I presume it's Steve Linsky on the other end of the phone. Uh, and Doug gets annoyed when uh, whoever's on the other end of the phone compares him to Phil Powers. Uh, and then he takes his uh, he takes his punishment like a man and gets locked up for the night in the cells. With um, Big Papa T, just to just to go mm. back, it said, um, I think it was the voiceover who said, many people have failed to take off his mask. Yes. Uh, someone tries to, um, tries to, well, it's filmed on CCTV, but fails. Mm. Um, not being cooperative, he ended up in chains, didn't he, in the uh, old yes. cop shop. Yes. Um, Barry says that Doug has always had a chip on his shoulder about Phil Powers, and we get a flashback to a press conference where Phil, in a bright orange T-shirt, bright orange shirt, in fact, and white jeans, leaps over the table and attacks Doug, and they have a little scuffle on the floor. <laughs> and then this might be my favourite scene in the whole thing. Doug and his computer. 
Doug, cut to Doug Williams's place where he is conveniently narrating an email he's writing on a boxy late 90s computer. He also has both his speakers on top of the tower to one side, so he's not getting stereo out of those things. <laughs> he writes, Dear Phil Flowers, I heard you've been swanning around with your cheeky nice guy image. Well, why don't you go back to doing what you did before, like working in a florist's? If you don't want your pretty face smashed in, stay out of the ring forever. Blood and bruises, Iron Duke Lynch. Send. <laughs> Proper keyboard warrior. That's hilarious. <laughs> we I'm going to say, though, with, with everyone, it seems to be calling him Phil Flowers. It yeah. must be just like a running joke, like they must have called him previously, like, uh, <laughs> oh, all right, Flowers. Yeah. We then cut to uh, Iron Duke Lynch doing some light reading on his sofa with a very nice-looking dog. Yeah. When his phone rings. Apparently, it's Phil Powers. <laughs> <laughs> his phone conversation is even better than Doug's. He answers with, this is the Iron Duke speaking. <laughs> you make it sound like I was in Bucket, the lady of house yeah. speaking. Oh, it's you, Phil Powers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then he has the best delivery of a line I might have ever heard where he says, are you stupid or are you just insane? <laughs> And he finishes it off with, well, that's it then. Set the date. But it's going to be your funeral, pal, and slams down the phone. Now, now, what a, what a light from here, Kieran. Yes. Is we go to like a promo package where the locals give their views on Iron Duke Lynch <laughs> as Sexy Boy by Air is played in the background. Well, you've, you've, kind of, you've kind of mashed two scenes together there. All right. Firstly, I had a question about this phone call. Why didn't yes. he just say... What email? I didn't send you an email. My email address is ramblingpromo at AOL.com, not ironducklunch at hotmail.com or whatever the fuck. <laughs> uh, and then there's a, uh, yeah, the, the, we go to a pub uh, where uh, Myers, who's not given a name or a graphic, uh, an old man in a shirt the camera doesn't like, and a barmaid uh, talk about how brilliant um, Iron Duke Lynch is. The barmaid says he's an all-round smashing lad, which is usually code for he's a complete cunt. Uh, this is intercut with Joseph Duke battering someone in a match. Then Sexy Boy plays, not the Shawn Michaels one. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's the one that goes... Yeah. Sexy Lynch. <laughs> yeah. However, this is not Iron Duke Lynch. This is back to the Doug story. Ah. And we see a pair of ladies' feet walking and tilt up to reveal some sort of librarian-looking lady walking a street at night. And then we cut to... Doug Williams styling his hair. He's a bit of a ladies' man, the anarchist, but what sort of a lady would want to go out with him, asks Barry. <laughs> Doug declares himself a living, loving legend and tries a couple of lines in the mirror. And then he answers the door to the librarian who screams. And I'm like, I know he's not a great actor, but it's not like the unmasked cane just opened the door. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she goes on a date with him anyway to a rock club where a loud band are playing and the production crew got very lucky that the guitarist's strap obscured the right word on his too drunk to fuck t-shirt. I, I thought it sounded like um, a Led Zeppelin tribute act, didn't it? Dead Zeppelin. I don't know. They were just, I, they, I, It was loud music appropriate to the character of Doug Williams. Uh, the woman looks terrified. Another man puts his arm around her, but takes one look at Doug and vanishes, presumably because he's shit scared of a fully grown man acting like a teenager. K 
can I just say, we are eight minutes into this show and all of this has happened so far. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is something. Well, eight minutes in and we've got the main event. Well, the halftime main event, which is an appearance by Phil Powers' dad. He seems like a lovely, soft-spoken man. He does. He, he Nothing like his son. <laughs> He's also not given a name. He's, his name graphic just says Phil Powers' dad. He says, it takes a lot of courage to step in the ring opposite someone three to four inches taller and 30 pounds heavier than yourself. But you're also doing it in front of a lot of people. And I'm like, mate, it's British wrestling in 1999. You're not doing anything in front of a lot of people. <laughs> he says, he stepped outside an event that Phil was wrestling on and there were half a dozen kids, quote, doing some pretend wrestling. And they were apparently arguing over who was going to play the part of Phil Powers. If only there was some sort of athletic contest or combat sport they could use to settle this argument. <laughs> I think it's more likely they were saying, fuck off, I had to be Phil Powers last time. <laughs> so Phil, we cut to Phil in a gym, dressed like a fucking Calippo. <laughs> He is in a bright orange, a bright yellow vest and orange shorts. He looks like he should be on the side of an ice cream van. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he says, this one we call an arm drag. And we see him arm drag Mad Dog McPhee across the ring. And it's slightly funny that just weeks before appearing on a nationally televised wrestling show, Mad Dog McPhee is being shown his first ever arm drag. <laughs> And then I thought, I got to see Tiny Iron being shown his first ever body slam a couple of hours before he had his first ever match. So, yeah, it has to happen. It has to start somewhere. So an equally brightly dressed child teleports into the gym from somewhere and asks Phil for an autograph. And because he's Mr. Nice Guy, he obliges. And he, tell, he tells this child, train your muscles and become a big, strong kid. And that, that little kid probably turned out to be Tyler Bates. <laughs> Back at Shea Anarchist, Doug apparently bangs the librarian on his sofa. She's very impressed by little Doug as well. <laughs> she was very impressed by the uh, amateur wrestling move he uses to flip her from all fours over onto her back. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> This actually happened, people. Like, you can go on YouTube and see this. It's real. It was filmed. It was edited. It was put on TV. And now it's on YouTube. It sure is a thing. Uh, back in the gym, Powers put Mad Dog in what I presume to be his first ever hammerlock. Uh, and McPhee lifelessly mumbles something as O Fortuna intensifies in the background. And the kid in the giant yellow hoodie goes to work on a punch bag. <laughs> Uh, the fastening on the chain takes several edits to break. Phil shouts, no, and rushes to the child's aid. Uh, but McPhee, the dastardly heel who is actually yet to be named, uh, seizes his opportunity to clothesline Phil in the back of the head over the top of the floor. Kid is fine. Phil goes, ah, because he's hurt his wrist. And Charisma McPhee tells the kid, don't worry about him. He's not important. That This is the delivery of Mad Dog McPhee. Barry Suplex then throws us to the break with, will Powers recover in time for the big match or will his wounded paw keep him from the ring? And I need to stop for a glass of water because <laughs> this show... 
this show moves at such a pace. It's, it's like TNAS, this, isn't it? Please, pick up with what happens after the break, because it, it's just as special as everything that's happened beforehand. Here comes Richard Ashcroft, uh, Big Papa T, walking down a high street in the Bittersweet Symphony. Except this time, except this time, it's not to Bittersweet Symphony. It's to uh, in the jungle, the mighty jungle. The Papa T sleeps tonight. Kids look at him like. Who is this fucking weirdo in a gimp mask? Yeah. He's stalking a London street in full gear and gimp mask, and children, they have shots of children openly laughing at him. <laughs> Barry tells us the T stands for torturer, apparently. Big Papa Torture, yes. Yeah. Um, we get clips of uh, T wrestling very badly on that Epping Forest show, uh, including repeatedly sitting on Wera's arm every time he gives him a leg drop. Although that's really Wera's fault, and we already know what an untrained goon he is. And um, we also find out T is an army strongman from Zaire. Yes. So this is, I think, do you remember Alan the Cabbie? Alan the Cabbie, yes. I think that was a scene shot to go in this that got cut for time. Um, and so a lot of the puppetee stuff, Alan doesn't appear, but we see a lot of the other puppetee stuff that was in that segment. So... It's him at home, including Mrs. T telling us how handsome he was when they met, showing off that portrait photo and that incredible shot of Papa on the blower in his gear mask and a T-shirt as his four children squabble on the floor next to him. Yeah. <laughs> Oi. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> so, so... Away from Papa T, yeah. we go uh, go once again to Phil Powers, who's still having wankers cramp issues. <laughs> <laughs> while while training with John with Jody Fleisch, well, well, talking to him as a, a, a intrepid reporter. Actually, well, first appearance on this uh, this um, podcast we were reviewing about the Dambalinka. Yes, he's eavesdropping, and he gets out his cool nineties flip phone, speed dials someone, and goes, "Listen to this." I think he's concerned about uh, uh, Phil's arm and if he'll be ready for the big show. Well, we go to a scene now. It's, it's very, you know what? It's half like docudrama, half like soft porn movie, isn't it? <laughs> that was the Doug Williams scene earlier on. The Doug Williams scene, and you also get um, Iron Duke Lynch with the tiny girls. Um <laughs> Um, you know for the wrestlers group falter yeah so Barry says word of a grudge match gets around pretty damn fast faster than Iron Duke Lynch can get to London so everyone knew what was brewing when the fighters got together back in March and we got our first clips of Alex Shane Uh, Mad Dog is talking to somebody about his eyebrows Linsky's there the photographer is Justin Richards who wrestled on episode 13 I guess they were hoping you'd forget by that time they should have made it his gimmick he'll snap your photo and snap your arm (laughs) And then I got lost down a, a sea of trying to come up with uh, wrestling photographer puns like Snapmare, Lens Davies, Flash Barker, <laughs> Film Powers, Barry Windon, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Should do an angle like, you know, that photographer from, uh, was it during bloody Olgan and Yokozuna? Where the Ring 93, yeah. King of the uh, Ring 93, yeah. Homeless Harvey Whippleman with his, uh, his flamethrower camera, yeah. 
I did notice that this group photo is all heels apart from Phil Powers, the only baby face, who, of course, is at the front of the group. Uh, yes, Duke arrives with the tiny girls. Uh, Danny Crimewatch is directing the photo shoot, uh, and he puts Duke in the frame next to Phil, and Lynch keeps jostling him and elbowing him and slapping him hard on the back. And eventually Phil's had enough, and he's like, oh, for Christ's sake, what's all the shoving? You want to make something of it? Duke shoves him over. Um and the others will jump in to hold them apart as the tinies look scared and the photographer like photographs the scrap. End scene. <laughs> I will I will say they are doing a good job of building this match up. Well, we'll get to that at the end. Paul Martin now in the uh, in the locker room with Steve Linsky and Doug Williams mm-hmm. as he offers some entrance fee. And some scene choices to uh, old Douglas. Yes. Uh, what what do we get here, Kieran? Um, suggestion number one is the birdie song. Doug does not like this. Suggestion number two is Mbop. Doug does not like this. Uh, well, if it was good for the young books, it would have been good for Doug <laughs> Um uh And suggestion number three is Bad by Michael Jackson, which I think was just an excuse to have Paul Martin do some slidey shoes Jacko dancing. <laughs> Which, to be fair, he's quite good at. <laughs> yeah. Um, Linsky presents him with a copy of Nevermind the Bollocks with the price label very carefully stuck over the correct word. Uh, Martin hits play on Anarchy in the UK and they do some sped up head banging. Uh, uh, Doug says, yeah, this is the one. And then Paul Martin asks Doug if he's heard anything about the fight between Lynch and Powers and Doug feigns innocence as we cut to clips of Doug versus Powers from the Epping taping for some reason. Um, and then we sort of match cut that to Powers watching what I think is one of the early UFCs on his TV in the living room. Yeah, I think um, Powers actually does say here uh, that he's ha- he has he's having fears at the locker room, thinks he's a wimp. Yeah, so a woman holding a baby mumbles something from the doorway, and if you want a reality check, that baby is now at least twenty four years old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Phil says he can't back down now. Lynch challenged him in front of all the boys and they'll think he's a wimp. And then we get a Phil Powers training montage. <laughs> he lifts weights. He punches a bag. He does press-ups. He runs. He skips. He sits with his legs slightly too far apart for a shot down that low. He kisses a baby and puts it to bed. He is trained and he is ready. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> I need a hero. Not quite. I think it was the bit of the Rocky theme you don't usually get to hear. Like it was, a, it was a bit from further on in that track. Um, uh, Barry back in his office is looking through a Newton's cradle. This was where I noticed the moustache was painted on, and he says it all came to a head on the day of the official tryouts. No music, no lights, no fans, no referee. Just one massive, huge grudge caused by the mischief-making anarchist. It was an unsanctioned match before unsanctioned matches were a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do we get? Jody Flash and Johnny Storm uh, in a lime green jacket that is practically screaming uh, walk into a gym past two badly printed out signs that say tryouts today and think what you've got, think you've got what it takes to be a wrestler. Uh, we see one bald man put another bald man in a hammerlock three times. It's literally the same shot three times. Uh, a fat guy drinks a Coke as he sits on another guy in the ring. Um, the actual wrestlers are watching on. 
uh, Dan Belinka approaches Powers and Kerry Cabrero and says, this isn't working. It's all too loose with all these guys just trying things on each other. There needs to be some structure. And he tells Kerry to go in the ring and make an announcement that that's what Phil is going to do to get the session back on track. And I'm like, make your own fucking announcement. And then Dan's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> and fucks off. Uh, and Doug smugly tells Linsky that it's payback time. Um, Kerry's announcement is to stop these two lads in the ring and tell them they were good, but not good enough when you have the likes of Mad Dog, Mark Myers, Big Papa T, Doug Williams, and Phil Powers. And I'm like, how bad were they if they're worse than do Dog and yeah. T? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm surprised some of the ones who were trying out didn't end up in, you know, like in Scrapyard Challenge or was like the bloody, what was he called? The Stomper. I mean, they might have done. It was very hard to see. This is obviously off VHS and then encoded onto YouTube. So it's quite hard to see like who was who outside of the people we already recognized. Yeah. Um, like I think there was another African guy who wasn't either who wasn't Wera, Papa T, or Frank. Uh, who just like hanging around in a couple of shots, not doing anything. He was in the group photo, I think, but then like hasn't been seen since. Unless it, it was where and I just didn't recognise him. It was like one of my uh, life experiences, like trying out for the high school cricket team. Mm. I missed a couple of practices, but still turned up for the group photo. Like uh, I was in the, <laughs> in the team. I hung, I hung on the end of the um, of the photo. Made it look like, yeah, the next Andrew Flintoff. <laughs> Freddie Ogden. Uh, so uh, Kerry invites Powers in the ring to show him how it's done, and there's a really, really bad edit as Powers asks for someone to come in the ring to help him show off a few new moves, and in the background we see the tiny girls enter through an open door and flank it as Lynch walks through, and he says, I'll try a new move for you, pretty boy. Now, out of context, that one line... <laughs> um, so he gets in the ring and he says, before was just a bit of harmless banter. He's sorry. And as Phil steps forward to accept the handshake, Duke just forearms him in the face. Uh, Lynch goes to work on Powers' bad arm as all the others laugh. Not even his alleged friend, Kerry Cabrero, comes in to help him. <laughs> um, Linsky gets up on the apron and gives Phil a dig, but gets knocked off onto Wera and a big fight breaks out. And Barry tells us Williams got what he wanted, total anarchy. And we see Doug hop onto the middle rope and he proudly exclaims, it was me, I sent it, and you all fell for it. Chaos, mayhem, he says. <laughs> uh, and we go back to Barry and he says, this is where British wrestling is right now. Big matches, huge grudges, massive fights. And the final, well, not quite the final, the final storyline image is Phil Powers leaping over the top rope into a freeze frame on Doug uh, as Lenny Kravitz's flyaway plays. And uh, no song could be more appropriate than the song that goes, I want to get away, I want to get away. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and we can we can wrap it up quickly. Uh, the credits roll. Some of the wrestlers deliver charisma-free one-line promos into the camera. Mad Dogs is the worst, which is, I'm Mad Dog. I don't bite, but what I do is much worse. Correct. Your wrestling is much, much worse. <laughs> Uh, Mad Dog's name is also spelt wrong in the credits, I notice. And then finally, we get a black and white shot of Phil Powers hugging a fan that dissolves into a shot of Mick McManus having his ears twisted. And I was like, you couldn't find one of him on offense. 
Uh, and then that dissolves into a modern color shot of McManus telling us this is just the beginning and to stay tuned to the UWA on live TV. And I think that was shot outside Crystal Palace when they shot the first taping. Yeah. So I think that Crystal Palace is in the can and then this goes on TV, which is real interesting because almost none of this is carried over to the actual wrestling product. I will just try to word that out. Then it's yeah. like, not, not, I don't think Iron Duke Lynch is near powers all. No. So, um, the only three characters that are really de developed in inverted commas are Phil Powers, Doug Williams, and Iron Duke Lynch. None of them have interacted with any of the others on what we've seen. No. Um, I guess they kind of develop Big Papa T, but they don't do anything with him on, on this show. Um, uh, the only person who can act a smidgen in this is Barry Suplex, and he's not going to be troubling the Oscars. Um, and if they had, it's so hard to figure out. Like if they had, if they'd already shot the Crystal Palace stuff, why wasn't this? Why didn't this and that match up better? Yeah, as well, like Barry Suplex, I know it's like a bit of a comedy character and a take mm. on like a boxing promo, but surely he should have been on like one of the early episodes. You know, for like you say, continuity, just have yeah. maybe it's like a general manager helping um, Mick McManus. Or they can fire him and bring in Mick McManus to take his place, or the other way round, seeing as yeah. we haven't fucking seen Mick McManus for about a year. He's been nowhere near, has he? No, he, he's, been, he's been mentioned on a couple of episodes as still like being like the, the figurehead president of the company. But yeah, um, this is wrestling's answer to the room or Birdemic. It's actively and objectively bad in all possible ways, but very entertaining. Yeah. Like as a production, it's on a par with what my friends and I were making at this time. But we were 19-year-old students with no fucking clue what we were doing, not a professional television company. <laughs> the worst thing about... I, I called it a badly made but entertaining waste of 20 minutes. The worst thing about it is that it makes wrestling look really low rent and really lame. Yeah. They had this idea of, like, we're building up this big grudge, I suppose, match between Duke and Powers, but that pays off in a behind closed doors thing just in front of other wrestlers in somebody's gym on the day of tryouts like that's not fucking Wembley Stadium is it <laughs> it's almost like they needed a couple more episodes I wonder like this moves so fast I wonder how many episodes this was supposed to be yeah and how much got cut out to get it down to 20 21 minutes I have a suspicion that this was probably supposed to run alongside the wrestling stuff mm. and kind of be like, also be storyline. Yeah. And then they took the wrestling in a different direction and uh, uh, just like had to do something with this footage. Do you think live TV probably, you know, like executives at live TV took one look at this is like, no, you need to push this person or... No, no, I don't think anybody at Live TV knew anything about wrestling apart from Dan Belinka. Yeah. Um, I think um, 
I think I don't know. They tr- maybe tried to put together like a pilot episode that was wrestling, like intermingled with this kind of storyline. So, like this would have been in 1999. This would have been like a, a like a different take on pro wrestling. Mm. You know, uh, like the it's something that Alex Shane once mentioned to me. He had the idea of doing um, a, like a reality v- reality TV show around wrestling, but you also get to see the matches in full. Yeah. So the out of the ring stuff wouldn't be like normal promos and stuff. It would be these kind of segments. And I think maybe that's what they were trying to go for here initially. And then it all got, things got changed and it had to be, it had to be recut. Plus it, but, but plus around that time, the reality TV show, it was like, it was booming, off, wasn't yeah. It? yeah. Um, I just want to see when was the first season of, so, okay. Yeah. The first, the first season of Big Brother UK would have been announced, yeah, I think by this time. So that came out the next year. So reality TV is about to explode as a genre, yeah. And don't forget, nineteen ninety nine wrestling is still hot. Oh yeah, no, no, still it's still I mean, it's like hottest periods, isn't it's it? Terrible. Like nineteen ninety nine is probably for in ring wrestling and the quality of wrestling television shows. Probably the worst year there's ever been. Mm. Yeah, but it's still a hot product. Like, and um, WWF have only recently retaken the number one spot from WCW um, by virtue of WCW being absolutely terrible at this point. Yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah. I mean, I've rambled for fucking ages. What did you think of this? No, it's, I thought um, like going into it, I was expecting the worst. Mm. Well, he's he, he come out a bit just like you can sort of see now why like Iron Duke Lynch was one of the like the pushed acts and yeah yeah there there was reasons like from this docu- documentary that I now understand yeah it is interesting that the three characters they push on this show have ended up being three of the top pushed acts in the wrestling in the wrestling show we watched but. In a completely different way. The other character that completely changes is Dan Belinka, because here he's kind of set up as being like a like, like a, a backstage mobile. reporter, isn't it? Uh, no, not anything. quite. So I think I think he's more supposed to be like a like a TV mogul type. Yeah, like he's the producer who wants to get this on television. Um, yeah, but he's just the presenter of the show. Once you get to once you get to the actual wrestling. Yeah. Um... To be honest, the two shots he's in, you could have cut from this and wouldn't have lost anything. Like, he had yeah. no reason to be in this at all. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, like, yeah, like, comedy value. You can tell Phil Powers has kept his um, his persona ante. Yeah. Just as, like, oh, I don't think the boys really like me, but I'll try my best. And, <laughs> you know, as a valiant baby face. Um, mm. I think I, I, I and Duke Lynch probably comes across as the biggest star. Yeah, yeah. Which, I know it's sad to it's sad to say, but he does. He, do, he comes across as the one that they want to, um, you know, want to push out of it. Well, he was only like thirty-one year old during this time. <laughs> that young upstart. Don't remind me. Yeah, younger than Keith Lee. Um. <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> but as a as um as a twenty-minute thing, I thought it was entertaining i got a good i got a good laugh out of it for just oh, how yeah. it's it, most it, definitely it, 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 it's entertaining bollocks for sure 
Yeah, yeah I think it, it was aware of itself being bollocks. Yeah. And yes. you can put you can probably see maybe like the wrestlers during it just you know like in downtime that you're not like having a fucking proper laugh about yeah. it. I'm kind of torn between wanting there to have been more of this integrating with the integrated with the actual wrestling show. Yeah. And also being very glad that it isn't, if that makes sense. Well, well I said the the Papa T stuff was in there for the, like some of this stuff was in one of the episodes. Yeah. Yeah, well, like the stuff in walking down yeah, the street. That, yeah. uh, that was only in a recap show. Like that wasn't part of one of the wrestling episodes. Yeah. So probably with the actual wrestling episodes itself, it maybe needing more promos. Maybe. Well, they've got. We might go back to the promo toilet next month. We don't know. Who, who knows? Oh, hey, I can hear the Duke going past on his trike. Oh yeah, that, that that bloody bike going up up and down my street today. <laughs> well, I said to Kieran before we recorded, we've had horses, we've had bikes. Perhaps there's a really my, shit police chase going on. It, it is, yeah. We might have a Iron Duke Lynch turning up at my door next. <laughs> uh, who knows? But um, overall, well, heavy stuff. I hear you've been saying shit about me on a podcast. <laughs> You know what? My one hope in life is if he turns up on Twitter, I'll 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 oh, him. <laughs> oh boy! And so yeah, that's episode sixteen, seventeen, and the uh, docu drama done. I think overall it's been comical, comical, on it. Sure has. Um, there is no episode. Well, episode eighteen does exist, but it's not online anywhere. So yeah. unless um, Dan Belinka is within the sound of my voice and finds it in his loft or the person who bought the, the uh, live TV archive on eBay in 2013 has got a tape they want to send us. Um, yeah. We're, we will be skipping episode 18. So next month we're going to do 19 and 20 and then say, let's save 21 for like a big blow off show by itself. The yeah. end of an era. We can wear suits yeah. and drink champagne. Yeah, so uh, there you go with that. Um, Kieran, what have you got to plug, mate? Uh, well, uh, Mark Buckley and I present Must See Matches Every Week, a podcast covering the top 104 uh, matches wrestling matches think wrestling fans think other wrestling fans should see, uh, as crowdsourced by Mark on Twitter. Uh, recently, Dave Ryan from Days of Thunder came to talk about his pick of Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas from TakeOver Philadelphia. And this weekend, we've just dropped our episode on Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect from SummerSlam 91, featuring Arnold Furious, who was a tremendous guest. Next week, it's Bret at SummerSlam again, but this time it's the British Bulldog match from SummerSlam 92, uh, and Alan Cheapshot is going to be in the guest seat. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, Under a Rock, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us. Uh, you should go to linktr.ee slash matches, and you can find all the ways to subscribe. We are must, at Musty Matches on Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon. And if you really want, I am at Kieran Edits. And also, I'm pretty sure Dave won't kill me for revealing this ahead of time, but I'm going to be keeping Lee's seat warm on the next episode of Days of Thunder, which I think will be out around the end of this week. And that, of course, is at WCW Thunderbot. So as I said, I have been spending this sunny bank holiday weekend inside watching lots of very bad wrestling from 1999. <laughs> Clearly, I hate myself. Well, it's what it's, it's what you do, isn't it? I know. I know. How do I get paid for this? 
<laughs> Don't ask me. I've been I've been failing at this podcast gimmick for uh, <laughs> multiple years. Yeah, I even yeah. I even took a three month break, and I'm still doing this shite. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can follow us at GCP Podcast One on Twitter. Follow me at Oggie Part Three on Twitter. Um, recently on this uh, podcast, um, we had Matty Edwards returning yeah. for Shite Volume Two. Very um, now that's what I call Shite, as we went through, you know, Shite uh, gimmicks, wasn't it? it was shite gimmicks, gimmicks yes, yeah, yeah some gimmicks. Bit. Very interesting thoughts on the the fiend and uh, Manta and other <laughs> another another shite gimmicks uh, coming up. Um, should have a couple of live reviews with uh, myself and Jeff in uh, ever degree <laughs> ever decreasing circles of being pissed. Um, I think we're going to soft pro again. That'll be fun. Um, we've got Red Pro in Sheffield and also TMT in Liverpool um, in June. So yeah, keep keep a, keep an eye out for them. And all I can say is thank you very much for joining us, Kieran. Pleasure as always. Thank you, everyone, and good bye. As I try and find the end recording button <laughs> on StreamYard, which you know what, it doesn't have end recording on the main screen. You have to click out. That's probably why you hear a lot of clicks. Thank you. Bye bye.